Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Jam Base Podcast. I'm Scott Bernstein, and on this episode, you'll hear an interview with the great Bill Payne. The founding Little Feet member and keyboardist spoke with Jam Base's Nate Todd about the recently released deluxe salad shoes and Dixie Chicken reissues, the evolution of songs on those albums, the band's touring plans, including the album's tour, festivals, and more. And now joining me is Nate Todd. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing well, Scotty. Excellent. Excellent. Well, before we get to your chat with Bill Payne, we've got to talk about the biggest story in live music this past weekend, which was the end of Dead & Company's final tour. Yeah, that's right, Scotty. Uh, The Grateful Dead offshoot brought the final tour to a close with three nights at Oracle Park in San Francisco. Uh, what, What did you think about the 29 City Trek? I was really impressed. I thought it made a huge difference having Jay Lane behind the kit. All the slow and company jokes that I thought there was something to kind of fell to the wayside for me. And there was something magical going on, especially in some of those space jams. I mean, it was just incredible improvisation. And and I was really impressed. And I believe you saw a show this summer, right? I did. I did. I, it was actually, um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, it was my first time I actually had a chance to to catch him. Um, I, I saw the uh, finale at uh, Folsom Field in Boulder, and uh, I, I totally agree. It's just an incredible show. Um, you know, I feel like they've really caught fire the past few years. And I mean, of course, that show, uh, you know, the uh, icing on the cake was, you know, Dave Matthews coming out, which was just amazing. And, and the drone show was magical. And it was just a great a great show. And, um, you know, it was my, it was my, uh, first dead and company show, but I, you know, I hope it's not their last or my last. Well, it sure seems like there's more in store, right? No one expected the summer to be as magical as it was, and multiple members of the band have left the door open for future performances, including John Mayer, who wrote one of the most beautiful love letters to the music and fans of the Grateful Dead that I, I've ever read. As for the future, as note said, Dead and Company is still a band. We just don't know what the next show will be. So we'll see. Well, all right. Back to Bill Payne. As a keyboardist, this must have been a particularly cool experience for you, right, Nate? Yeah, I mean, you know, hands down, one of my favorite interviews. Uh, It was such an honor talking with Bill. And uh, we even got to talk a little keyboard shop, which was just uh, amazing. It was was a, a great interview and just a pleasure talking with him. Love it. Love it. And and what were some of the cool things that you found out about the reissues? Well, so, you know, considering Salem's Shoes and Dixie Chicken are our Little Feet's second and third albums, um, Bill gave us a really cool snapshot into the early days um, of a band that just went on to be so incredibly influential. Sweet. And what's coming up for Little Feet? Um, so Little Feet are currently on the road with uh, Bill's old friends, Leftover Salmon. Uh, for those who don't know, Bill was the Jamgrass Group's uh, keyboardist for a stint. Um, after that, they'll team up with a Dirty Dozen Brass Band, as well as Rob Ikes and Trey Hensley to finish out their Boogie Your Summer Away trek. Um, and then this fall, Little Feet will embark on their albums tour, which will see them hitting cities for two nights and dedicating an evening apiece to both Salem Shoes and Dixie Chicken, along with other Feet favorites. Great to see they're still going at it and strong over 50 years into their career. Well, considering that the theme of this season is festivals, did you ask him about Little Feet's history of performing at festivals? 
yeah, you know, Bill, um, you know, has done quite a few festivals. Um, and, um, you know, we talked a little bit um, about Jazz Fest and he had some really amazing things to say about uh, the gospel tent at Jazz Fest as well as the music in New Orleans in general, which um, has had such a huge, huge influence on him and Little Feet. Very cool. Well, all right, let's let's get into it. We'll lead into Nate's interview with Bill Payne by hearing some of the Sail and Shoes demo from the reissue of the album of the same name. Keyboardist Bill Payne. Um, what are you up to today, Bill? Nate, I'm going to uh, actually going to go play golf, uh, the bourgeois sport of golf. And uh, <laughs> uh, I've been doing some writing on my book. Uh, so that I'll have a little break from that. And then uh, there's, a, there's a cool food truck we're going to hit this afternoon, which is great. So uh, it's kind of a day off feel. So it's just, it's, we're starting off right talking to you, Nate. So this is this is all good. Awesome, man. Awesome. So you're you're working on a book, huh? I am. It's called Carnival cool. Ghost. Cool. And it's uh, you know, my uh my journey through this uh quagmire. Wow. Awesome. Life, which is cool. It certainly involves a lot of little feet, but it involves a lot more than that as well. So it's it's good. Very cool. Very cool. Um well, let's 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 talk about uh, Little Feet a little bit. Um, you guys just dropped remastered reissues of, of two of your classic albums, uh, Sailing Shoes and Dixie Chicken. Um, and you know, it's so cool to listen to the demos and alternate versions on the reissues and sort of see how those songs evolved. Um, the first demo on 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 the Sailing Shoes reissue reissue is the title track. And it's just you on piano, I think, Lowell George on guitar. Um, is, is that demo sort of indicative of, of your working relationship in those days? I would say so. Um, you know, his, we, his mother had a piano, a blonde spinet at his house uh, over in the Los Feliz, Los Feliz area of Los Angeles. And we moved it across town when I moved over closer to Richie on Carroll Drive, which was uh, just off of Sunset Boulevard, going into Beverly Hills. I mean, Richie wasn't a Beverly Hills guy. It was just that's where the apartments were. We were next to the Cock and Bull restaurant. And uh, then we uh, very slowly but surely destroyed that poor piano, but not until Richie and I had written 
Typeface Boogie and a, uh, Lowell and I had come up with several other songs in between. So it was, it was kind of cool, but sad. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was just, you know, a lot of material you guys sort of had to go through to, to decide sort of what you wanted to put on these different, um, demos and, and outtakes. What, what did that process look like exactly? Are you talking about that? What's on the record itself or just in general? Um, you know, what's, what's on the reissues sort of like the, the demos and, um, what, like, um, you know, do you, did you guys like have to, you know, kind of just go through everything in the vault? Um, did you ha- sort of have some stuff in mind, um, to go on there? Well, yeah, it's a great question. And, um, uh, the answer is we did very little, to be honest. I, I did very little. Uh, I'm the only one that's left from the, uh, say on Tuesdays for starters. So, uh, uh, Warner's did the heavy lifting on, on most all of it. There's not a, a lot there um, in terms of what they could have chose. Um, I've gotten their hands on, but but uh, I was pleased with what they presented. I I wrote a little blurb about it myself um, cool. because uh, I'll I'll read it real quickly if I can find yeah. it. Yeah, it's uh, it's about Richie and I. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> the. Uh, this is about the bonus tracks. What is striking to me is the absolute lack of inhibition Richie and I had, like two unleashed tornadoes crisscrossing each other, um, our paths, gathering momentum that is unceasing and, uh, uh, most importantly, disarming. There's an exhilarating tumble and pull to Richie's plane that evades self-indulgence. Much of what I'm playing is in the un- the same unrestrained, let me see where the hell this will take me attitude. This is the beginning of the band. Uh, we're finding our voice, speaking in tongues. Everything out of the toy chest, not in search for anything, but in, in a mad dash for everything before adult supervision steps in. Oh, wow. So is that is that from the book? It'll, or, it'll go. It'll go in my book. I uh, okay. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good quote. Yeah, uh, that's great, man. It goes on for several pages, but it was um, we. I just wanted to get the flavor out to people because the album itself is a, a very restrained album for the most part. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that when you hear those demos, where we're just like, you know, the, the Roadrunner and and. Uh, 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 the uh, wily e. coyote going through the, yeah. the, the canyons <laughs> in the desert. Um, <laughs> when you listen to say, uh, oh, you know, door, uh, what was it called? Uh, Easy to slip. It sounds like a studio record.
that record, by the way, uh, was more, I think it was slanted in purposely more towards Lowell, which was good because Lowell really wanted to make a statement on that record. It follows the very first album, which was called self-entitled record, Little Feet, which was a, a little more exploratory um, than this one. But it was, I think Sailing Shoes is a great album. And I I, I felt very comfortable having Lowell um, take the lead on it as he should. Um, I, I thought he did a, a brilliant job on that one. It was cool. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, so yeah, there, I, I noted there were a couple of demos on there. I think it, one of them was easy to slip and One of them uh, was a uh, Texas Rose cafe and they're labeled uh, like for the doobie brothers. What were you guys thinking of passing those over or were they going to record them? What, what's the story there? Well, you know, that that's a very good point. And I, I'm, I'm left, uh, as a lot of things in the book I'm writing, a little confused about that. Okay. Uh, I, I have no idea. I mean, I was working for the Dave Brothers. Ted Templeman was their producer, uh, and he was working with, with us. So there might have been, maybe those were Teddy's notes, like, hey, but I don't see, I, I could see the Doobies doing it easy to slip. But sure. certainly, yeah. certainly not Texas Rose Cafe. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, you know, there's there's also some songs on there on the reissues that that maybe didn't make it onto albums or would be you know on on later records. Um, I thought it was a, a, one of the things I thought was really interesting was um, there's a song called uh, Doraville, and um, there it seemed like there was a line that made it onto Spanish Moon on there. Uh, the night the rain froze on the ground, and oh, there yeah. there's just there's just a lot of other like kind of almost nuances of other songs in, in that, um, in that recording that I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, I've been going through my notebooks and seeing references to absolutely what you're talking about, which are just from my, from my, my lyrical standpoint, I've seen things that, that start off in one, what I think is a song and then they morph into something else. And, that's kind of the way we do it anyway. You cherry pick as you go through. And but Doraville was a pretty complete song. Um, yeah. Somebody would say, well, why didn't it make it on the record? And I said, well, uh, I really don't know. But but keep in mind that we were cutting albums and there was only so much material you could get on, it, on an album without making it two albums, let's say. Uh, so that was part of the process. It's just the... Uh, the choice factor. Right. That's, that's, that can be a really hard decision. I feel sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No question about it. We'll, uh, we'll be facing that with little feet when we record next year as well. It's, uh, but it's all good. You know, we, we, uh, I think the way, the way generally the best way to look at it is to say, hey, if it doesn't make it on a certain record, if it's that good, it'll be, it'll be on the next one. You know, it's just that's uh, kind of the way it works. So we we have more latitude now that uh, the, the the bandwidth uh, you can put more things on. Cool, cool. So you guys are going to be heading back CDs, into this, whatever the whatever the the, the the delivery system is these days. Oh, right, right. So, you, but you guys are heading back into the studio then. Um, so we're actually going to go back in the studio and uh, we're going to Memphis in August, and we record some blues songs with Sam Clayton. We've already started that process. Wow. But we'll, uh, we're going to make an EP for uh, with and for Sam Clayton. 
Okay, cool. To singing the blues, so uh, it's Memphis is a good place to 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 do that. Uh, Scott Gerard, our guitarist, uh, sings a lot of Lowell songs. He's he's a very very talented cat. He 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 had mentioned uh, wanting to go into Memphis, and when we really thought about it, it was a great idea. Wow! Wow! Really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um. So let's. Uh, I kind of wanted to talk. Uh, getting back to their issues, I kind of wanted to talk about um the live recordings that which both were previously unreleased. Um, the one that's on sale and shoes is live at the Palladium in Los Angeles. Um, I believe it's August twenty eighth, nineteen seventy one, and um, it's the only multi track recording of of the original quartet. Um, could, could you sort of paint a picture of, of what like little feet shows were like in those, in those early days? Well, yeah, it was, uh, let's start with the gear we were using. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I don't remember what we had up there and I, I haven't listened. I know I've heard those, those tapes before, but, um, I'm pretty, pretty sure I was using a Wurlitzer at that time. Um, it would have been pretty tough to get a piano up on stage, and so that 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 took some time to, to for us to get involved in that. Um, the how we were able to hear each other. I mean, I think when the Beatles were playing Hollywood Bowl, uh, some years before that, not that long before that, but five or six years, uh, they couldn't hear each other at all because there, there weren't any monitors on stage. So at least right. we had monitors. Um, uh, yeah, and it was, I'm sure we were part of a, a package of groups that were playing there because nobody knew who Little Feet were back then, that's for sure. So it was this kind of clamor up on stage and let her fly uh, kind of situation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad there's a representation of that that time period. It was uh, like the times themselves, uh, which started, I would say, in 67, um, the chaos that just kept building and building and building. You know, uh, It was kind of the way I described Richie and I as these two, two tornadoes crisscrossing each other's paths. Right. It was unceasing, uh, it seems. So we're in the middle of all that. Um, I'm trying to think of the cat that uh, introduced us. Uh, George Carlin, I think, was uh, the guy that introduced the band that evening. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was kind of cool. <laughs> but, yeah, we were just, I think the only, we, we had a gig probably in 1970. That was, uh, I hesitate to call it a gig. It was at a gentleman's <laughs> club uh, in Los Angeles. It was, uh, we were playing. Played during the afternoon, 
there's these, you know, it's probably not politically correct, but these young girls were my age. I mean, I was uh, 20 years old. They're, they're at least that, maybe 18, 19. We're serving these these guys in business suits, drinks and food. And, and we're up there with Elliot Ingber, who is uh, with the Mothers of Invention. Thanks. And we're playing a song called Rototone, which is as weird as, as, I mean, what does Rototone mean? There were strings, I guess. And that's the only lyric in the, in the song is Rototone. <laughs> it's just this crazy mishmash of music thrown together. And uh, those guys could have cared less about us. The girls like what they were hearing, though, so that was cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, that uh, that wrote it. There's a record. Uh, there's a recording of Roto Tone. I think on the reissues. I yeah. I was interested to hear that song. Well, check it <laughs> out, man. Yeah. It and it builds up. It goes this piano part that Elliot showed me, and it wasn't the first piano lick the guy ever presented to me. He's a guitar player, and you can play guitar, piano, whatever you want. I don't, I never considered him a, a keyboard player, but the, the licks that he would always present to me, uh, which were two specific ones, that and another one where we opened a studio uh, in Los Angeles, Studio City. Um, trying to think of the name of the, name of the place. Um, at any rate, his brother, Ira, was uh, reciting French poetry over it. So I was playing this kind of a French song, and I've never ever forgot oh, it. <laughs> oh, and then, yeah, and there's one other thing that's, that's more like a uh, a Thelonious Monk kind of groove. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's uh, and Elliot was one of my heroes because you know the very first Mother's album, right? Help I'm a Rock, Susie Cream Cheese, who I think was an invented person. Um, <laughs> that was a freak out, right? Was that was oh, that the freak first? Out, exactly. Was a, right. Okay. Okay. 1966. Well, Elliot was at Lowell's house, and, and we uh, we had a record that he, he goes, "Did you play on this?" And I go, "Yeah, where'd you find it?" It was a, it was called "Tripping Out." <laughs> Check that one out, man. Something wild, cool. "Tripping Out" from Santa Maria, 1966. Psychedelic label, Acid Head Productions, and I didn't know what any of it meant then. <laughs> Uh, shortly thereafter, I did, but but at that time we did. <laughs> I don't know, not a clue what the lead singer Calix Blue was talking about. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of dovetails going on with with within and uh, throughout Little Feet's career. It's, it's very interesting stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you know, yeah, that like going back to that recording um, at the Palladium. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty good recording. Um, and I think there's kind of a funny moment, um, where someone says, uh, you know, you guys, one of you guys says like, we're going to play some country Western music and, and like a couple people clap <laughs> and, and you guys, of course, like are going back and forth with them, but then you guys play Willin and yeah. I mean, you know, which is, you know, uh, you know, arguably now one of, you know, one of your most famous songs. Um, and you know, it just kind of struck me that like little feet had a lot to do with sort of turning like rock audiences onto like different sounds, you know? I think we did too, and uh, we weren't at the, the forefront of jamming, but we were uh, certainly in that orbit, right? Uh, I was jamming with bands up in Santa Maria Ventura, and Lowell certainly did down in L.A. Uh, 
But I, 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 I think for me, the, the art of jamming became a lot more fun when I joined Little Feet. We had a chance through our writing, instead of hanging out into the A chord all day uh, or D chord, whatever you, key you'd be in, the we we would change it up with, with certain licks the way they do in jazz. Uh, Grateful Dead right. kind of put that approach as well, where you, uh, I, I call them islands. And you, you're, you're on an island that is terra firma. You've got the ground, sand beneath your feet. And you start swimming in the ocean to the next island. And anything okay. can happen during that swim. You're being chased by sharks, <laughs> yeah. cannibals, etc., Or maybe <laughs> mermaids pulling you into the, to the beach. So uh, it's that's where all the excitement is. But when you land on an island, that could be a, a point of departure from where that swimming takes place. And now you're into something that's a little more constructive for a while, okay. which uh, is not a bad way to, to, to jam. And I know a lot of jazz groups, uh, certainly Miles Davis used that technique. Frank Zappa used it. Uh, although his jams were a lot more uh, constructive than most. Okay, that's that's cool. I, I've I've never heard that analogy before, but I love it. Um, you know, and and I mean, speaking of different sounds, so I mean, a lot was sort of changing with you guys. Um, you know, in the sort of Salem Shoes Dixie Chicken era. Um, you know, Roy Estrada left the group after Salem. Um, and you guys added, uh, you know, Kenny Gradney, Paul Barrera, and and Sam Clayton. Right. And um, you know, little little feet sound also, you know, kind of famously shifted from you know more straightforward rock to. Um, a new New Orleans influenced, you know, like kind of R and B and funk and you know honky tonk a little bit in there, and um, you know, naturally your sound is going to change with the additions. But I, I was curious if there was like a if it was like a natural progression that change, or if it was more of a conscious decision. Well, it was a little bit of both. I think that uh, you know Kenny and Sam came from Delaney and Bonnie, for example. Uh, Paul Barrere, who went to high school with, he was a couple of years, maybe three grades lower than Lowell uh, at Hollywood High, but his brothers uh, were Lowell's age, or at least one of them was, I think Michael. And uh, so they all knew each other from Hollywood High. Paul was was definitely into the blues. So uh, so that, that cemented a relationship there and with the R&B thing, too, that you just mentioned. But uh, I was listening to Clifton Chenier. Uh, I was listening to Professor Longhair from New Orleans. Uh, so I had that acumen within me, uh, gosh, even before I joined Little Feet in 1969. So the, uh, there's, there's a lot there. And that's a, that's a lot of what my, my book is about, too, is that transitional uh, period of time of, of uh, how influences like Taj Mahal, let's say, or um, gosh, Lightning Hopkins, people that would play this club called the Back Door in Ventura. It was open for one year, 1968. And the guy that ran it was a guy named Bob Jones. And um, so I was with a band called Turquoise, and we played that place as well. And we were jamming, and Danny Gustafson, who was with the, in, in Turquoise, <laughs> we've been talking lately. He says, yeah, when we take off on those jams, I go, when is this thing going to end? 
I go, that covers it, man. That, that says it all. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I, you know, like I feel that, um, kind of returning to the, the Dixie chicken reissue, um, the, the unreleased live show on, on that one is, uh, at Paul's mall, I believe it's called in Boston, uh, March 1st, 1973. Yes. Um, I, I really like the juxtaposition between that show and, and the palladium. I think just because, you know, the palladium might be a little bit more, you know, clean cut. And then, but then you have the Paul's mall one and that's just kind of you guys smoking like in a club, you know, which is just pretty awesome. And, but I think it's good to sort of have those two together. I do too. It's, it, it is uh, the basis of putting little feet together in the, in the first place was the notion of what, what were the songs, the musical genres, uh, specific artists, <clears throat> where did those influences cross our path? Now, what, did we want to borrow a complete idea from something, or did we want to take a section of something and pull it into a song? It's not that we were irreverent to rules, uh, if there were any. Uh, there, there weren't. So, there's one guy from New Orleans, uh, God rest his soul, he didn't tell me directly, but through someone uh, I'd heard, he was wondering why why I was playing New Orleans music. And uh, I said, well, my parents were married in New Orleans. Maybe there was a osmosis thing taking place. But I said, look, I play, uh, I play Mozart, and I'm not from Vienna, Austria. I play Beethoven. I'm not from Germany. And Bach, and I'm not from Germany. Is that okay with him? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you, I, I, I'm sure he didn't really have much to say to that. <laughs> well, you know, it's, case closed, right? It's, it's understandable. I mean, New Orleans, yeah, no doubt, was a, a place within itself. But uh, Lowell George had a lot to do with, uh, as did Warner Brothers, and and people beginning to to a rock audience beginning to hear and understand Alan Toussaint, for example. Uh, right. So. You know, totally. there's two points of uh, giving back to a community. And I got a chance to meet Professor Longhair, uh, the back steps of uh, Tipitina's. I got to play the same piano that night, too, which was cool. So <laughs> that's awesome. There's a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm a keyboard player myself. Oh, and, cool, um, you know, I, I wanted I you know I wanted to talk a little shop with you, sure, um, if, if 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 the audience will indulge us for for a second. Um, you know, I I I wanted to kind of talk about Dixie Chicken, um, the song. Um, you know, um, you know, I've always loved your playing on that, and and I, one of my favorite things about it, and this I think maybe was sort of what you're talking about, putting different sort of spins on it, was is that that lick you do. Um, and it's, I feel like it's like a half step behind maybe if I'm right, or, you know, it's that just kind of twinkling, you know, lick you do sort of throughout. Um, and it's, it's almost like you're walking. I think that song's in a, and it's almost like you're maybe what walking up to the a, so maybe it's like an a flat. Um, I, but I'm not sure. And I wanted, I wanted to ask you about that. And I wanted to ask you if that was, if you remember sort of coming up with that, if there was like a eureka moment or, 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 um, you know, what, what the story was there. 
Well, uh, yeah, first of all, a great, great question, Nate. So thank you. Um, on the very first album, we did um, how many more years? 44 Blues and how, how many more years? That juxtaposition of, of what they were playing in How Many More Years, which is a, a Willie Dixon song, it's a ba 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 boom boom boom. That lick had that, uh, if you're in the key of A, you're right, A flat or G sharp, however you want to look at it. But the more important thing is, let's say you're you're playing an E with your right hand, G sharp, B, E, and your bottom hand, you're playing an A. So it's got that, there's a tension there, right? Like a dissonance almost sort of maybe. Kind yeah, of like a little, a little bit. bit of a yeah. dissonance. to your ear which captures your attention immediately so it wasn't it it was just me listening to something and going oh that's cool the guy hit that g sharp or that a flat you're talking about that's what caught my ear and so yeah yeah I, i i turned it into a sixth and made it a rhythmic thing but i was playing like essentially uh, an E over an A, but I, I dropped out the, uh, the the leading tone, which is the E. I didn't play that. I played the B and the G sharp, so it was a sixth over an okay. A, which which cushioned the, the sound even a little bit more. But right, it right. bluesy and stuff. So I, I thought, well, yeah. well, look, I didn't realize it would be an I, I uh, thought of as an, an iconic lick of any kind, but uh, that's kind of where it went. So I was, uh, oh yeah, the antecedent to that was. Uh, uh, that little walk down progression on, I think it's uh, how many more years. Wow. Okay. Very cool. I love to, I love to hear the evolution of that stuff and, and um, you know, like, yeah, it's a, it is iconic, man. I mean, and, and I, it, I, you don't really, like you said, it, it catches your ear right away. Like it, it just grabs you. And, and I, I remember, you know, trying to learn how to play that song and, and you know, t- it took, it took <laughs> me a little while to figure it out. But yeah, that's so cool. Um, so I think uh, going back, sorry, we're jumping around here. Going back to the 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 live show, uh, the Paul's Mall show. Um, uh, so one of my favorite moments in that in that was uh, it's um, during your song. It's got no shadow, uh, and um, and I think you know I really see what you're saying about Richie. Like there's at one point Richie just like goes off like this just crazy bombastic you know sort of like solo but you guys are all kind of play it's really great you guys are all kind of playing off of him
And then and then after the after the after that song, somebody says that he like hurt his foot or something. Um, like getting on the subway. Do you remember that or like? Oh yeah. Was that- oh gosh, that's what that was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he, he didn't want to. He, he didn't want to pay the fee to get in the subway for some reason. <laughs> Uh, which which had maybe we'd been playing New York a little before that, so because now, now we're in Boston, right? Jumped over the turnstile and when he landed, he twisted his ankle. <laughs> so <laughs> retribution and uh, karma was immediate on that one. Yeah, and I think somebody says, "Oh," or he says, "I think he's like, oh yeah, it was my bass drum foot too." But he, oh, I mean, oh. his playing on that, you know, I don't know which would be worse, hi hat or bass drum, but. His playing on that, you, you can't tell. Yeah, right. No, you you can't. You can't yeah. tell. He was a trooper, man. That guy would yeah. do anything. Uh, <laughs> like a like a like the sports guys, you know, with football players and stuff, or hockey players, you just play through it. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, so yeah, um, let's let's talk a little bit about like you guys' current touring. Um, I know that you guys are about to kick off. Uh, the Boogie Your Summer Away tour, yeah. and uh, you know, and uh, you're going to do a little run with Leftover Salmon. We were talking about Vince earlier. Um, you know, Vince was just on the podcast. Do you do you see any maybe like collaborations between the bands? Absolutely. Uh, awesome. I see, I see it going both ways too. So uh, I was in their band for gosh a year. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. Those those guys are crazy and uh, and dear, dear friends too. So. I'm really looking forward to tagging up with them. And, um, you know, Andy, every one of Drew, Vince, uh, gosh, uh, Robinson, uh, they're just great guys. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's going to be really cool. Um, And then um, in the fall, you guys are going to be doing the albums tour, which you're going to be playing um, Salem Shoes and Dixie Chicken. Um, and I believe you guys are doing like two night stands and you're going to do an album each night. Um, you know, I know you've been playing those songs a long time, but when you, when you play, when you play the albums in their entirety, in their entirety, are, are there, are there new things you notice about how the songs fit together or how they impact the audience? Well, we haven't tried it yet. So, okay. It's a good, another great question, but what we'll do, Nate is, uh, cause I, I've done this with the Doobie brothers. I, I think uh, there's a lot of bands that, that do this sort of thing where they go out and they play their album uh, in its entirety, I guess. We'll do that, but we're going to do what we do now, which is if we if we come up with something arrangementally that stretches a song, truncates it, whatever we think we need to do with it, uh, we'll include that in our performance. So we'll be true to the song but not we're not there to replicate it um so we, we're going to be playing sailing shoes not as a four piece but as a six piece band right. and uh, i think it's a good way to do it we'll probably have some guests with us up there so it's a more of a celebration of, of not only the album but most importantly the material that's on it and that right. material with little feet uh, has always been very uh malleable um so we'll we'll continue that that uh, that structure or lack thereof, how we we, we view, <laughs> view it, and uh, we'll put, we'll present that to the audience. And I I think it's uh, uh we're really looking forward to that. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, we are too, man. That's gonna be a great tour. Um, 
So I wanted, I also wanted to talk a little bit. Um, so we're in the season three of the jam based podcast and, and this season, um, you know, we're in the summer. And so this season sort of, uh, focuses on festivals. Um, you've played your fair share, I'm sure. So I, I, I just wondered like how you've maybe seen the festival scene sort of evolve over the last, you know, 50 years. Well, uh, boy, I don't pay a lot of attention to it, to be honest with you. Uh, I missed out on the on the the festival that was out on the West Coast, uh, the Monterey Pop Festival, which was in 1967. Uh, some friends of mine, Bruce Barlow, uh, Buffalo Bruce Barlow from Commander Cody, what well, he was not with Commander Cody at the time. He was with a group called Captain Speed from Santa Barbara, and they went up there to. To after playing three gigs the, the night before, uh, <laughs> the day and night before, Bruce drove everybody up there, and Jimi Hendrix was playing the very first time. Yeah, and we get a chance to hear Jimmy because he there, he had a guy in his band in one of the earlier bands from Oxnard where he lived, <laughs> Jerome or uh, Jer uh, Hendrix, and they go, "Hey, you got to see Hendrix on stage." He goes. Jeremy's on stage. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he fell right back asleep. So it was one of those. But um, yeah, you know, fest festivals are cool. They're 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 uh, uh, uh what's the one in hardly strictly in, in San Francisco is a that's a great festival. Yeah, yeah. That's a free one too, right? I believe it's I like all it's so. like all all free. Yeah, so uh I, I don't know, but there, I don't think a lot has changed. Uh, there, there are throwbacks to, to that era when 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 music was uh, uh, musicians and, and and audiences were were thrown together, right? There wasn't a lot of distinction between the two. I mean, people were not jumping up on stage and stuff, but but you know, it's right. camping, and you're you're all out there. Having to survive the the elements of weather, is it a pleasant day? Is it is there a tornado running through the? Yeah, you know it's just uh, it, it, it's kind of a handshake between music and audiences and stuff. I I think that's the most important thing, and the ones that that are able to draw that out the best and delay those those are the successful ones. Right, right, and you guys, you guys do like your own sort of little destination thing. It's called uh, Feet Camp, I believe. Um, yeah, we were down in New Orleans, uh, not New Orleans, down in Jamaica for years. Last year, we did it down right. in Key West. Uh, okay, we're looking for another place. We're, we're going to try and divvy it up a little bit. We uh, uh, it was a successful thing down in, in uh, Florida that we did, but. I th I think we need to make it a little a little longer than we we had it and uh and make it a little more uh conducive to people being able to blend like I was just talking about. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask you out down there in Key West so okay. Quite the same vibe so we're we're going to rectify that. Oh, cool. Very cool. That's awesome. Um you know and like I wanted to also ask um you guys uh Play, you know, Little Feet's famed um, Pink Pot set from 1976, um, you know, that was captured 
um, for posterity. And I think you guys released it as live in Holland, 1976. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you share any memories from that festival and that (laughs) performance? (laughs) Well, uh, it's it's a weird thing about playing, or at least for me, performances. I don't know if Nate, as as a musician, you feel the same way. It's, it's very rare that I will remember an actual performance because I'm so into it at the time. I mean, I'm, I'm com- completely enveloped. So unless it's something like, hey, something went wrong or, you know, Bruce Springsteen jumped up on stage, I, I just, it doesn't uh, connect with me. Yeah, uh, totally. So it's, uh, it's it's one of those. But, but the Pink Pop Festival... I think it was this one where people were we were in town and, and they're going, oh, there's a lot of uh, you know naked babes out there because it's Europe, right? And then we're, oh yeah, let's go. So we drive out there and there's a big fence and there's a bunch of guys taking a pee against the fence. <laughs> so we call it the, the Hanging Hog Festival. <laughs> That's an amazing story. Man. There's a, That's an there amazing... was a naked girl there. I didn't see her. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was so awesome. Yeah, we well, you know, then, man, so totally, totally. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, when you guys play festival, um, you know, you guys have been regulars at um, you know, Jazz Fest um in New Orleans for um, you know, pr- since you kind of reformed in the late '80s, um. I wonder, I wonder just like, uh, how have you seen that festival sort of evolve? And, you know, if you had anything, you know, cool stories from, from that fest that you might want to share. Well, uh, Quint Davis is one of the guys that, or the guy that runs it. He's, he's a, he's a champion of great music. And, uh, I can tell you that for, for people that are lucky enough to head down there, uh, Whatever elements are going on, whether it's rain, anything, it's it is worth it. Just going into the gospel tent alone, I think that's a a, a real indicator of 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 New Orleans and of uh, of music, black music in particular. Um, you're hearing the real deal there with with choirs and and church church music um, that that lifts your soul, man. It is just. It's an amazing thing. It's very, it's, it's American. Uh, it's, it's, it's got, there's a, there's an ancient part of it. The rest of it is, is really cool too, but it's, it's, um, um, I think, um, it's gotten so big that if, if you like big crowds, great. If you don't, you know, but the gospel tends something that's, you can always maneuver into. And you got New Orleans outside those fairgrounds too, which is right, uh, right, yeah. Itself, there's a lot of ancillary shows that are played there. It is certainly worth going down there at that time of year. And uh, there's a place uh, called Cochon. Um, a lot of places to eat. They've got some redfish there. It is out of this world. So um, I really look forward. We're going to be doing a blues cruise in November. And that okay, blue, cool. That blue, well, it's a New Orleans cruise, excuse me. And that New Orleans cruise has got everybody from New Orleans on there. Um, oh, wow. I think John Cleary's going to be there. John, uh, 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 Papa Grows Funk, you know, 
uh, uh, all those cats are going to be on board. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a great, great, great gig. And we're coming into New Orleans for a couple of days. John Groves, a dear friend of mine, and uh, there's going to be a lot of collaboration on that tour, believe me. Very cool. So, uh, it uh, what what's what what is that going to entail exactly? Like, um, you you guys are going to sort of just take off from from New Orleans, or we're, we're going to take off from from I think Fort Lauderdale. Okay, a couple of days out, uh, wind our way down to New Orleans, sit there for a day and a half, whatever it's going to be, and down to Cozumel, and then cruise back across the ocean to uh, Florida again, and there you go. So, wow, that's going to be really awesome. That one. Bill, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. It is a pleasure talking with you. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, it's an honor, man. And uh, uh, keep up the, the the good work with the with the keys and uh, with, with what you're doing on the air. It's uh, it's nice to have a nice conversation with people that, uh, I mean, I, you obviously know you you know music. You you did your homework and for uh, for what it's worth, which is a lot to me. So, thank you so much, Nate. Thanks, Bill. That means a lot to me. Thank you. of this episode of the Jam Bass Podcast. Thanks to Bill Payne for taking the time to chat. Go see Little Feet live this summer and fall and be sure to pick up their reissues of Salad Shoes and Dixie Chicken. This episode was produced by Jake Alexander. Thanks, Jake. If you're enjoying the Jam Bass Podcast, be sure to subscribe through your favorite podcast service and leave a rating. Come back next week for another fantastic episode. In the meantime, be safe out there and go see live music.